I hope you guys, I hope you guys had a good week. Welcome back, you guys from Mexico. Yeah, so Carly and Josh Schutz, newly, newlyweds sitting over there. Way to go, guys. Well done. Anyway, uh, I had a pretty crazy week. We moved. So uh, I don't recommend moving in the middle of the week. Okay, all your friends happen to be working. So it's like, yeah, I don't know why I did that, but anyway. Bless my buddies. Let's do that. Anyway, it was a chaotic week, but it was a good week. And we happened to move right across the street from some pretty good friend of ours. So that's pretty neat, too. Um, <clears throat> anyway, we are nearing the end of our Seizing the Promises series during the summer. And I believe next weekend, is next weekend Labor Day weekend? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Anyway, sorry, sidetrack, but I can't believe that. We're uh, ending our series, maybe, I think next weekend, maybe the week after. And so, like I kind of mentioned last week, I've been building this, this mini-series unintentionally, but, but this week I decided, you know what, I'm going to intentionally add a, a, another message to that mini-series. So that's what I'm going to do today in the middle of this promise series. And uh, just to refresh your memory, the past two messages that I brought... Uh, the theme that's been woven throughout, kind of threaded throughout, is really, really at its foundation, intimacy with Jesus, provided we come into alignment with him, right? And, and uh, the first one was visiting hours are over, and, you know, the, the knocking on the door, and the open-ended promise that the Lord will come in and dwell with us, and stay and make his home with us if we open the door right? If we open it. If you keep it closed, that's your problem, okay? No intimacy with Jesus if your door's closed. Anyway, I'm not preaching on that today. Um, <clears throat> but he desires to move from being a visitor in your life to being the homeowner of your heart. Key stuff, just open the door, Revelation 3.20. And then last week, I talked about being built to last. Uh, and then if you build well, if you build wisely, build rightly, you will be built to last and make it through and endure the storms that will slam against the, your soul in life. Um, and so I was thinking this week as, you know, I was, I was moving, lifting boxes, like, what, what, are, what are we going to talk about this week? And I, I asked the, myself, and I think it was prompted by the Holy Spirit, like, what is the actual evidence or what is an, an evidence or manifestation of cultivating a lifestyle of digging into Jesus? Like what we talked about. Like, what is the proof of living with a permanent open door policy to Jesus? What, is, what does that look like? There are other fruits. Of course there are. But I think at least for today, the one that we're going to talk about takes the cake for them all. Okay. In fact, it's, it's one third of the kingdom. Um, Romans 14, 17 will tell you that. I'm not going to give a spoiler here. But what is an evidence, or the evidence that we're going to talk about today, of, of cultivating intimacy with Jesus? So let's do this. Let's turn right away to Psalm chapter 16. One of my favorite Psalms. 16 should be on the screen for you. And we're going to read the whole Psalm. I just I was started thinking, man, we'll just read a few verses. But this Psalm is so rich that I thought, no. We need to all read the whole thing. So let's read it together. I've been in this for over a year, and it is just loaded with goodness. So let's read it together. Psalm 16. 
Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. Mm. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Who are the saints? You, all of you, his delights in you. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten or run after another God. Okay, there's a warning for you. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. In other words, just pursue Jesus and everything will be fine. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance, full and complete portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Say that, good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. Kind of echoes of Job 33, 15. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. That's pretty much the secret to success of your soul right there. Setting the Lord always before you. Okay? Verse nine. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. Verse 10. For you will not leave my soul and shield nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And then the verse for today, you will show me the path of life, which is this, in your presence is fullness of joy. Say that, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> Isn't that good? Amen. Wow, so good. In your presence is fullness of joy. That's it, right there. That's it. In your presence is fullness of joy. One of the key markers, very key markers, key evidences of someone who lives with an open door policy to Jesus to every area of their heart and one who builds wisely and rightly and deeply with Jesus, someone whose supreme desire is Christ himself and the pursuit of the Father heart of God is fullness of joy. That's what you get. And you know, uh, I've been, when I'm, as I've been thinking about this and the world around me, the world around you, the world around us, we can easily make the conclusion that people are generally a pretty joyless people. Would you agree? I mean, come on, Canada? Okay. Uh, we need a lot of help. I'm not gonna go off on a tangent here, but I just wanna say Canada in the last two years and hopefully not this year, but the last two years, has been voted one of the most miserable nations to live in. Canada, I think the fourth. You know, you and I do not need to think hard about why. There's a lot of poop happening right now in our nation, okay? Don't write me an email on that, okay? Don't. 
just face the reality, this is what we're in, all right? But what does that mean? It actually means that there are a lot of miserable people making those miserable votes, right? Yes. And if this is the case, there's a lot of miserable, joy-lacking people living in our nation, maybe even in here. It's true. Gosh, does Canada need help? Do I need help? And we can easily make the conclusion, friends, that most people who are lacking joy, well, I mean, come on, they just simply have not encountered the spirit of Jesus, right? Right? But, don't say it right too quickly, that's partly true. However, what about Christ followers? <laughs> I've met many joy-filled Christ-following people, but... I've also met way too many grumpy, unapproachable, always complaining, cranky, hostile, resting face. <laughs> Let's be polite. Kind of people of all ages, not just kingdom classics, <laughs> young adults, teenagers, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. There are a lot of cranky Christians and I can't stand that. Neither can Jesus, by the way. He hates that. And they say they love Jesus. And you know what? I'm sure that they do. I hope that they do. But I don't, there's the issue. I don't think they've quite figured out how to live in the fullness of joy. You can love Jesus, but if you don't let him love you. Anyway, I personally think that there is a genuine joy famine in our midst, both in the nation and in the church. Joy famine. And I think that this is something that you and I as Christ followers have to figure out. We have to. Because people all around us, you go outside the door, people may, maybe even in here who don't yet know Jesus are longing to figure it out. Happiness, joy. And they're reading self-help books. You know, like they're buying them left, right, and center. Huh. And you look up on Google right now, you could find, no, no, just don't, don't do it. But you could find like 20 lists of top 10 lists of how to find joy in your life. 20 different ways. Okay, I was reading some articles of psychology today, yesterday, okay. You know, tips to find joy. Um, and everyone is writing articles on the pursuit of happiness. And they talk about how fleeting it is, you know. And everyone that I read talks about finding joy in either yourself or your, or, and or your own strengths or growing in deeper relationships with people around you. You know, uh, that's not all bad and that's some good advice, but I gotta tell you, that is really, really sad. They're missing the mark. And those are all fleeting ideas. 
And what they do is subconsciously suggest that we can expect other people or ourselves or other things to be our source of joy. And if we just tap into, you know, getting better at doing this or taking care of our soul a little bit more, if we just grow in our relationships a little bit more, we will encounter joy. No. Or if we just stick to our own ethical and quote-unquote spiritual ideals, you'll encounter joy. Is that ever a scary thought? Spiritual ideals is general. I want to tell you that that just reinforces the truth that you and I need to introduce the world to Jesus, who is the only spiritual ideal, by the way, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Baha'i, not yourself, not New Age, not a psychic, Jesus, who is joy is joy, which means you and I must experience and encounter not just joy, fullness of joy. Fullness of joy ourselves. We have to. Otherwise, we've got nothing to offer the world. A a joy that is never fleeting, a joy that never leaves, a joy that has substance and is weighty, and sustains and doesn't bolt and escape when challenging times come, right? That is what we need to offer the world and Canada. Come on. Living with joy is something that makes you and I different, you know? And we we have to figure this out. Like, we really do. Because when we do, we will have a major solution to the problems in our world. You can't offer Jesus to people and look really grumpy. You just can't. Stop it. Just don't talk. Seriously. It's funny, but it's true. I, I actually don't understand that. Okay, anyway. I think the real struggle for many of us as disciples of Christ is that next level fullness of joy lifestyle. I really do think that's the struggle. I think many of us can experience um, aspects and levels of joy, but sometimes it seems like it eludes us so many times, right? Why doesn't it stay? Why, why does living in joy seem to you know, or, uh, run off? Why does when I have it, it just leaves and escapes for so many people? What, what is joy anyway? What is fullness of joy? How do I know when I have it? How do I keep it? How do I guard it? How do I fight for it? These are things I hope to get to today. So what I want to do is try and describe briefly for you what what are some key indicators or evidences of what fullness of joy looks like in your life. Like, what does that look like for me? And then share with you how we can access it, okay? And then give you some ideas on how we can guard it, how we fight for fullness of joy, okay? But I want to make a point of clarification on something before we continue, on what the Bible actually means by joy, okay? Yes, you can agree, it's good. What does joy mean in the Bible? It means joy. (laughs) Joy, glee, cheerfulness, 
joyous pleasure, happiness. Oh, isn't that interesting? Happiness. This is really important to get. Rejoicing, pleasure, delight. All of these things is joy. Joy and happiness are actually interchangeable. This is really important for you and I to understand before I keep going because I want to guard you against making wrong conclusions about joy. All right? For many years, at least in evangelical uh, Protestant circles, let's say, uh, there's been this distinction between joy and happiness. All right? In that happiness is this bubbly, unicorny, superficial, and circumstantial feeling that comes and goes. And joy, well, that's what you really want. Joy is this deep-seated affection that endures. And then what we do is we categorically separate those terms and we say, well, joy is what Christians have and happiness is what non-Christians have. All right? No, 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 no. Do study on joy and happiness in the Bible and you'll find that the Bible does not, is, I should say, is indiscriminate in its use of joy and happiness. They're interchangeable. That should explode your mind. Why? Because the danger in making this separation is that we turn joy into some unemotional, transcendent thing and happiness into some worldly thing. No, the Bible does not make that distinction anywhere. This blows my mind. It's not an issue of joy versus happiness. Catch this. It's an issue of the source of your joy and happiness. Bottom line, where's it coming from? Okay, okay. This is where the difference lies. Why is this important? Because the joy that we're speaking of today, the joy in Psalm 1611, the joy in other verses I'll read, the fullness of joy that we can live in is one that expresses exuberance, glee, happiness, gladness, emotion. All right? Is that clear? Okay, good. I mean, we're talking about joy. I should have a smile on my face, right? Anyway, let's talk about this. Now, some would say that true fullness of joy is only attainable in the age to come. Like when we pass away and we're, we're living with Jesus, right? Where there are no competing emotions that wage war against the joy that we can have. This is very true, all right? Very true. There is a greater measure of joy that we will all experience in the life to come where we're with Jesus that we cannot experience in life here on earth. Thank you, God, that that's coming, right? But that's obvious. We all know that. So while there may be a day when every tear will be wiped away from our eyes and we'll experience joy unspeakable for eternity, is it possible still to experience fullness of joy while we're living in a fallen and sinful world? Yes, 100%. Okay, we're gonna get there. I wanna exp- talk about fullness first before we talk about how, all right? So let me suggest a few quick markers 
kind of indicators of how you know someone or you are walking in fullness of joy, okay? Ask yourself this question. Is joy in competition with other emotions in your life during difficult or challenging times or during times of great affliction? Is it in competition? In other words, does joy actually set the tone of your heart or does it sit in submission to other emotions? Another way to put that is, is joy in a different weight class? Is it a heavy weight for you all on its own? Or is it in the same class of all those other emotions? All right? Okay, not only that, this is, this is amazing, but there's actually something that happens to somebody who, to the person who is walking in fullness of joy, they become so full of joy that this, this overflow valve pops open and they begin to pour out of them uh, stuff that actually lifts the burdens of other people. Even in their own mess. They're actually lifting other people's burdens while they're experiencing their own. Fullness of joy. I can prove it. Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians 8. He says this to the Corinthian church. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, okay, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2, they're in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Whoa! For I testify, Paul says, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, he says, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. The fullness of joy that the Macedonian churches were experiencing far outweighed their own extreme affliction. So much so that deep generosity began to flow out of the fountain of joy they had. So the question presents itself what comes out of you during times of affliction? In, in your storm, what comes out of you? What comes out of me? The next marker of fullness of joy is simply this. You stop digging into other foundations to make you happy in life. And you begin to recognize that it is Christ alone who is the one who can fully satisfy you. All these other foundations that I'm digging into, just can't satisfy. When you come to your limit and realize I'm only satisfied in Christ, and that's the only foundation you're digging, it's a mark of fullness of joy. What is your main motive in life? Do you live to make yourself happy? Do you pursue pleasure of any kind to feel that need to having to be happy? Do you make decisions based on what ultimately will bring you satisfaction as your main motive? Because if you do, you will find yourself lacking fullness of joy. It will escape you. But when you let the Holy Spirit 
guides you, okay? Galatians 5, 20s. You will bear the fruit of joy when he guides you. See, it's when you come to the place that Paul says in, in Philippians 3, 8, he says, yes, everything, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything is worthless. Everything. Everything. For, this, for his sake, he says, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Woo. Garbage. So that I could gain who? Christ. So I could gain Christ. Wow. When you live to make yourself happy and make decisions based on pleasure as your main motivation in life, fullness of joy will elude you. It's just that simple. But when you give up everything for the one, you will find that joy begins to stick around. It does. <laughs> All right. One last thing before we move on. Another indicator of walking fullness of joy is that your heart will be so affected by joy, that gladness and melody of song in your heart, encouragement and thankfulness will just flow out of you. It just does. Okay, Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. Paul says this, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery or in present day terms, just ruins your life, okay? But be filled with the spirit Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, if you can't sing, okay, Paul says speak to one another. He doesn't say sing to one another. Okay, I actually looked it up because I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> he says speak. There's no, anyway, speak. In other words, encourage one another through songs, hymns, through psalms. Encourage one another. Singing, he does say though, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Constant ministry to him. Giving thanks sometimes for all things to God. Nope. Giving thanks always in the ups and in the downs and in the sideways. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Experiencing fullness of joy, here it is, is walking in the fullness of the Spirit, okay? And when we're walking in the fullness of the Spirit, there is cheerfulness. There is liveliness in your life. There's gladness that wells up inside of us and flows from us when we become, then we, we become quick to encourage, quick to love one another, quick to be thankful, where we do make melodies, song in our heart to the Lord. Sing in the shower. Just do it. Who cares who can hear you? Like, all right. Maybe only I do that. Thankfulness must come out of us. Here's my last thing, thankfulness. This is big. How many of you know that you cannot be a grumbler or a complainer and be thankful at the same time? Do you know that? The Holy Spirit is not a grumbler. He's not a complainer. So combat your complaint. 
and combat your grumbling with being thankful. And if you struggle to find something to be thankful for, catch this, it's a clear indicator that you're filling yourself up with something other than what gives you fullness of joy. Oh. Because here's the thing, and this leads me to the next section here on how we access fullness. Here's the thing. You and I are all filled with something. Even if you think I'm empty, well, you've filled yourself with something to make you empty. We all fill ourselves up with something. The question is, what are you filled with? This is pretty simple. Social media, TikTok. There's a lot of great things on TikTok. Okay, there's a lot of funny things on there. A lot of really bad stuff too, whatever. Social media, okay, the news. Here's one, porn. You feel yourself with porn? How about fantasies? Work, workaholics? How about your spouse? Good things. Do you feel yourself with your spouse? Do you feel, do you feel yourself with your kids? Do not idolize family. Don't get confused the priority of family. Jesus first. Not family first, Jesus first. And all these things will be added to you. Kids, a busy schedule? Do you do that? Hear this, busy versus full schedule. Does time rule you or do you rule time? Busyness is the quantity of activities we add to our schedule, quantity, okay? Versus fullness, what I would explain, full life being the quality of activities you say yes to. Whatever. What about gaming? Do you fill yourself up with gaming? How about country music? <laughs> Come on. I love country music. I'm just, let's just scratch that from the list. I just needed to wake you guys up a little bit here. Okay. Country music. It's amazing. What about bad friends? You fill yourself up with bad friends? 1 Corinthians 15 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We recite it, but do we live it? All right. So the question remains, you can answer yourself, it's rhetorical. What are you being filled with? Who are you being filled with? Could be yourself. All right, how do I access fullness of joy? How do I, how do I get into that? Okay, it's actually, it's actually pretty easy. Okay, Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life, which is, in your presence is fullness of joy. So why then are so many people experiencing a true joy famine in our midst, in their lives? Because you're busy trying to get full outside of the presence of God. You cannot experience fullness of joy any other way. You can't. A joy famine in your heart means there's a lack of presence in your life. Okay? You want fullness of joy? Good. The verse says, you will show me the path of life. Some translations say this, you have shown me the path of life. I love that. Okay? In your presence of fullness of joy, you have already shown that to me. 
But the only Hebrew word, this is really interesting, the only Hebrew word in that first phrase there is yada. Some of you may know what that means, which is simply this. The word has many descriptions of the knowledge of God, okay, different levels, but more specifically means to know him intimately, to know the deepest areas of his heart. In other words, the verse could be read like this. Intimate knowledge of God is the well-trodden road to being fully alive. His face, presence, which is translated there, is his face, presence, is fullness or abundance of gladness, glee, joy. Him. <laughs> if you're living in intimate knowledge with the Father, cultivating intimacy with him, you have the path of life made known to you. Full joy, satisfaction in him. In him. Because it is him. He is joy. I hope you're getting this. Okay, but how do I do that? Listen to my last two messages. Okay? It's pretty, pretty, there's lots there. Listen to those. But let me sum up in one or two sentences, maybe four or five sentences. Okay? How badly do you want him? How badly do you want him? That's it. Ditch, throw out every other competing voice in your life for the one voice. His voice. What are you willing to give up? Where is Jesus in your life? Is Jesus added to everything else you do? Like really? Or does everything flow from the one pursuit of him? I said this last week. It's not Jesus plus everything else. No. As if Jesus is on an equal playing field with everything else in your life. No. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And everything else flows from him. Matthew 6.33. It's Jesus and everything else will be added to you. It's not Jesus plus everything else in my life on this, and I've got to figure this all out together. No, he's over it all. All of it. I cannot stress this enough, and I've said this a ton already, but like for real friends, the problems we face would not be so big and grandiose if we would just compare our problems to how big God is. Seriously. The problem is we just forget how big he is at times because we've slowed down our intense pursuit of him. So we forget. And these problems become way bigger than they should be. They're problems, yes. Do you have faith to believe your problem is bigger than God or God's bigger than your problem? Or fear to believe your problem is bigger than God and faith to believe God's bigger than your problem? All right, <clears throat> let's move into the last part here. You guys hanging in there? Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> okay, how do we guard and fight for fullness of joy? Because the reality is, even when you're living in 
his presence as lifestyle, even when we're doing that and we're experiencing fullness of joy, on this earth, there's still a battle, right? Between flesh and the enemy, the devil. The battle's real. So we need to find ways to guard and to keep the fullness of joy and fight for and maybe do things differently, all right? First, some of us need to believe and hold to the conviction that God actually wants you to experience joy. Happiness, he actually wants you to. Because some of you may have believed at some point or another in your lives and have struggled with the lie that the Lord is not concerned with you and I experiencing joy in this life. It's a lie. It's devilish thinking. It's not from Jesus. The great Jonathan Edwards, okay, a colonial pastor, preacher, theologian of the First Great Awakening, he preached a message called Holy Affections that, in other words, sanct unsanctified emotions. Okay, and he said this. He said, true religion, in great part, consists in holy affections. Meaning, he considered the enjoyment of sanctified emotions to be part of the abundant life of true believers. Emotion. Jesus himself said in John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Happiness, blessedness, delight, glee. John 16, 24. And that your joy may be full. Okay, I didn't finish. John 16, 24. Until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He wants you to experience joy. The Lord wants you and I to have this shared emotion of joy, of happiness. I'm redeeming that word. And you combat the lie that says God's not concerned with me experiencing gleefulness, happiness in this life. You combat that with these scriptures and say, no, 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 no. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. You rebuke the lie that says otherwise, okay? You do that with, with scripture. Another lie is that we cannot or should not feel joy in every situation we're in. Now we shouldn't feel joy there. We should not. And much of this belief comes from our past circumstances, legitimately, our past circumstances that, it, that inform and shape our current realities. And what can happen is you get stuck in the past and you allow the past to dictate your present day thinking. Steve Backlund says, your past is not your challenge. Your current convictions are. Woo, woo, wow. Your past is not your challenge. Your current convictions are. Now, <clears throat> it is entirely possible that some of you are experiencing uh, some very challenging personal circumstances. I, I get that. You could be in an abusive relationship. It's very real, very possible. You could have grown up in a home uh, that was abusive or critical, uh, or you are currently in a very critical relationship or like, uh, or a critical home and it's oppressive and there's no joy or life in the house and it feels like you're living in your own personal hell. Very real. Let me offer you some hope. You are not exempt 
from living and experiencing fullness of joy even now. This is hard, I, I know, okay, but hang in there. It is entirely possible to have fullness of joy in any situation, any circumstance, at any time, no matter what you're facing. When you pursue his presence and cultivate intimacy with him and you allow yourself to invite him into everything going on in your life, not just some things, everything. Don't shut him out. If you struggle with anxiety, invite him into that. Don't just say, this is my anxiety compartment, depression compartment, anger department. There's a line, okay? Jesus and joy is all over there. This is my area of anxiety, depression, you name it. Okay, listen. I understand all this. I get it. You can experience peace. However, you need to invite him in there. Open the door and invite him into the roots of anxiety if you know them. Invite him into the anxiety yourself and then let go and let him and ask him for more of him and his joy to replace the anxiety. Because how many of you know you cannot experience anxiety or any other of those difficult emotions and joy at the same time? You cannot. What does that then mean? Who said that? It's a choice. It is a choice. I cannot choose joy. Yes, you can. No, I'm so anxious. Choose joy. I can't. Yes, you can. Change the narrative of your thinking with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit as your help. He will replace it. Trust me, he did it for me. Okay. What happens when you do that? Invite Jesus into what you're experiencing, the current heartache you're in, the current pain you're in, and his presence will come. This is beautiful. His presence will come and fill you and take away the weight of anxiety, the weight of betrayal, the weight of rejection, the weight of abandonment, and any other competing emotion that seeks to rob you from joy. And he will make those emotions subject to joy. That's what happens. If you choose him. Joy comes from the person who truly experiences and knows the Lord's presence in every aspect of who they are, not just some. But it only comes <clears throat> with proximity and time spent with the Lord. That doesn't mean we don't go through seasons of pain. No, like some of you are in right now. And that we don't walk through trials and difficulties that we don't understand. We have to acknowledge all of our emotions in order to fully feel and allow him to make the exchange of what submits to what. Right? Or what submits to who, better said. If we have pressed down our emotions, shoved to the side, blocked out Christ and allowed 
you know, ourselves to become so busy to forget about or ignore the pain or loneliness or rejection or abandonment or anger, what we've done is dulled our ability to feel emotion, especially joy. So then even when we attempt to go uh, after Jesus, you know, okay, I'm going to start cultivating intimacy with him, knowing I have this locked door full of difficulty emotions, Okay. But I'm inviting him into my life nonetheless, but not there. Okay? If you're unwilling to lock, unlock that door and invite him in, you will not have access to his promise of joy. Because you're not operating in the way you were designed to. It, it's, like, it's like you've turned off an element on the barbecue and you keep wondering why you have trouble cooking. Let me say this another way. Living in, in joy is not denial. It's not a denial of your current reality. It's just proof. Oh, love this. Sorry. It's just proof that it's not subject to your surrounding circumstances. Fullness of joy is not subject to the difficult life situation you're in. Fullness of joy is not subject to unanswered prayers you've been waiting for for 10 years. Fullness of joy is not subject to the storm and the rains and the floods that are slamming up against your heart. No. Joy lives inside of you because Jesus, the hope of glory, the spirit of the resurrected Christ lives in you. Who is joy? Every once in a while, I come across people who are full of joy. And there is a couple in our church, they gave me permission to share this. They've been on a journey, uh, quite a difficult one. His name's Charles. He, <clears throat> he's like mid-30s. He, he recently had a diagnosis of cancer in his throat, uh, very aggressive. They had to have a full laryngectomy, if I said that right, pull out his voice box, other, other stuff. And <clears throat> he's got a prosthetic now and really could have totally derailed Charles and Katrina, totally derailed them. Because uh, it's real, it's real. He's got to go through chemo and, and radiation now for the next six weeks, horrible. But when I think about who do I know that walks in fullness of joy, it's them. Yes. Do they jump up and down all the time? No. They do sometimes still. Evidence. Have I embraced them both in my arms while they've been crying? Yes. But I got to tell you, they are people who are so full of joy. They keep going back to how joyful they are. They are happy people in the midst of great pain and trial, even right now, they're very joyful people. Get to know them. All right, here's one other thing that we could do to guard and fight for living in fullness of joy. Stop living for yourself. Oh, to me too. Okay, Nate, stop living for yourself. So I'm not just preaching at you, I'm preaching at me. Stop living for yourself. Seriously. Living for yourself is a major inhibitor to walking in fullness of joy. 
What do I mean? We can subconsciously justify our own sin issues for not experiencing joy. We can say to ourselves that, you know, we're unable to experience joy, and I'm trying to. I really am. But if you're honest with yourself, and you did a healthy inventory of your soul, you'd recognize that you're choosing to ignore sin issues in your life. Yeah, you... Maybe, maybe you are comfortable in confession, but you have not yet hit repentance. What does that mean? It means you haven't changed. You're just comfortable sharing your sin issues, but you actually haven't changed. This is serious stuff. Stop living for yourself. I want to say this. Sin does not rob you of joy. No, 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 no. You and I are robbing ourselves of joy because we're not dealing with the sin issues in our own life. But if you're not dealing with your own sin junk, you are robbing yourself from experiencing fullness of joy. Don't blame the devil. We give him way too much credit. Way too much credit. He does enough, okay? We create our own issues. We do. Would you agree? You don't need to agree. I'll agree for us. Okay? We create our own Okay. Anyway. Just stop sinning. It's that simple. Deal with your stuff. Cling to Jesus. Get in community. Allow people to call you higher and become more like him. It's simple. All right. Settle down, Nate. A couple more things. Meditate on the word of God day and night, night and day, during the day, at work, on the way to work. How do I read and drive? Listen, listen to the word. Okay, Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, night and days, and be careful to do everything written in it. Everything. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will experience good success. Then you will have fullness of joy. Why? You can't really get to know him without knowing this. It's pretty hard. Get in the word. Be in the word. Eat the word. Eat the meat of the word. It's simple. Oh, I just don't have time. We're in a day and an age where we cannot use that excuse anymore because we know too much. Okay? All right. You have time. Just make it. Here we go. Actually, one of the things Katrina said about how they are able to walk in fullness of joy is kind of related to this. Build history with Jesus. Build history by being in here. You build history with the word by being in the word. Okay? All right. Last one. Um, Continually make declarations out loud about how joyous of a person you are, even when you feel like you're the grumpiest. Trust me, I've tried this. Okay? I haven't tried. I do this. All right, let me tell you about this. 
Uh, there was a time, <clears throat> there was one day when I was really grumpy. <laughs> Sandra would say, no, 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 it's multiple, multiple days. Anyway, side note. I can remember this day where I was just in a really bad mood, just thinking about myself, just selfish stuff. And really emotionally immature, like get over it type stuff. Anyway, I was grumpy. And it wasn't, I, the, my time with Jesus in the morning was cut short and I chose as a result to feel ripped off and, and just soak all day. Like you talk about grumpy Christians, it's like, oh man, I, I think I was one for that day. So crazy. Anyway, I stop at a light, okay? And I have these declarations in Christ that I tell you all about all the time. These little cards that you can get if you want them. I highly suggest you do. Talk about who you are in Christ. Do it out loud, right? And so I'm just grumpy and I'm mad now because someone cut me off. I don't think they're from this church, okay? I really hope they're not. Anyway, I'm just sitting there stewing in stupidity being emotionally immature, sitting at a light, and just ticked off. And then I felt the conviction of the Spirit, of course, and, you know, for my bad attitude, and we have an interesting relationship. Um, <clears throat> so he just highlighted it, and I repented, and then he said this. He says, hey, you need to start speaking joy and life over yourself, because you're not acting like me right now. But I don't feel like it. You know, like a little baby. How often do we do that? He says, I don't really, I don't care. This is, you want to be like me? This is what you do. You come into alignment with me. You have a choice to make. You have things to do. So he says, start declaring joy and life over yourself. So I'm like, fine. So the light's still red, by the way. And so I said, okay, pull out this card. And I said, you know what? I am a child of God. I choose joy. I am actually a joy-filled person. I am overflowing with joy. And I'm going, this is really dumb because I don't feel joy at all. And so, but I keep doing it. And for some reason, the right light is still red. Okay, it was the longest red light I've ever experienced. And it's like the Holy Spirit saying, see, you, I'm not going green until you start doing this. I said, okay. So I do this. And as I do this, I... 30 seconds in, trust me, 30 seconds seems like a long time when you're doing things that you are counterintuitive to how you're feeling, okay? So I begin to do this, and I feel a shift. <laughs> and I begin to start laughing, and this joy is welling up inside me, and I start crying, and I'm like, I'm just going to town with these declarations now, and this, I kind of peer over to this, my neighbor, okay? And they're like... And I'm like, I don't care. I'm so happy. This is amazing. And the Holy Spirit says, see? Speak life over yourself. Make declarations over yourself. When you feel like it, when you don't. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love death will eat death. Those who love life will eat life. With words that are spoken. That makes sense? All right. There is a joy famine in our midst, but there is a solution, right? You have shown me the path of life. Yada. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Joy is a fruit born from constant planting of his presence in the soil of of your heart. 
It's that simple. Who you live for determines your ability to experience fullness of joy. Watch you stand. <clears throat> All right. Oh. I want to pray quickly for those who are not experiencing joy right now. So just hold out your hands. If that's you, you know it's in your grasp, but it seems to flee from you, or it's because you're in a real difficult situation. I want to pray specifically for you in this moment. Holy Spirit, <clears throat> would you come and manifest yourself in this individual? And as they cry out to you, would you manifest joy? In the midst of pain, would the pain that's real, the, the anxiety, the betrayal, the hatred, would that come into subjection to joy that you give them? So invade their mind right now. I speak Christ into their will to choose you. And I speak for the rest of us, Lord, who <clears throat> maybe are walking in joy in 90% of our life and need look for that 10. God, uh, like we've talked about this summer, we open our door to you, invite you into all areas of who we are. We commit to pursue you and know that in faith you will give us fullness of joy because it's you who fills us. And so we anticipate joy. Put a smile on our face and let us spread joy to those around us. Let us be the answer to the world that is lacking you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.